0: Avengers Initiative, Falcon and the Winter
1: Soldier. Welcome to the Avengers Initiative, Falcon and Winter Soldier, a PoppyChulaRadio.com original series, PoppyChula Radio celebrating a decade of podcasting excellence. Today is Monday, March 22nd, 2021, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Arruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on Disney Plus' The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Please welcome my co-hosts. Priscilla Rocha. Hey, everybody. And Professor X. Hello, everyone. Let's jump into our discussion of Season 1, Episode 1, which was titled New World Order and debuted March nineteenth, 2021 via Disney+. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. Sam Wilson and Bucky Barnes realize that their futures are anything but normal. I guess that's what happened. Okay, so let's talk about this. Wait, what'd you say, Priscilla?
2: That's such a disappointing synopsis.
1: It's so teeny tiny. I think they do that on purpose on Disney+, Plus. the first one, so that it isn't too spoilery. But even that, I mean, you can go anywhere with that. Um, it is kind of funny, though, that the episode is called New World Order, because there's like a whole thing online about it. Listeners, don't Google it, because you'll just go down a rabbit hole of stuff. But it's so, fu- I think it's funny. I like, I could see those people being like, and there's a sign. The episode is called that. Anyway, so before we actually start talking about the episode, I have a general question. Like, what do we think of the Falcon? What do we think of the Winter Soldier? What do we think of them as characters? Because these are the two Marvel characters that we will be following along on this journey for the next, well, this is one episode, for the next additional five episodes of this Disney Plus series. Both of them have been, in essence, sidekicks, best buds to Captain America. So we are very familiar with both of them from the Captain America trilogy they have appeared in other of the team-up films as well so what do we think of them as characters i know that there's like a huge like um lusting for the winter soldier (laughs) Like, go on social media, and you'll see, like, a whole thing with him, which is kind of fascinating because he's a killer. But, uh, so there's, like, a whole psychological thing about it. I mean, the, you know, people love that man from the You television series, and he's, like, a stalker. So, you know, people find ways to fall in love with characters that are kind of twisty. Uh, but what do we think of these characters? Uh, Priscilla? Priscilla?
2: Well, I'm not in the subsection that's, like, really interested in Bucky. Ooh. I like Bucky. I like Bucky's tragic backstory, but, like, I'm more interested in finding out how he's going to go on his path of redemption. Like, I think nice. that's more interesting to me. And I, I like as that. for Falcon, like, I'm more, uh, he's the character that I'm more interested in, uh, uh, from both of them because i want to see what it's like in his head to go from being out of the blip and like not having existed and having the world pass you by and having to come back and have captain america basically be like well here's the shield you're the next captain america and have to reject that like What's going through your head, sir? How did you do... Why? Why would you do that?
1: Very interesting points. Um, I will say, personally, I've never really understood the fascination with Bucky. Like, I've enjoyed him as a character. Like, I think he's interesting, and he he has brought some interesting storylines to the entire MCU proper. But I know that there's, like, a huge fascination with him, and, and I guess maybe I don't get it, but I am interested in his character and seeing where this is going to go, especially based off of just the teases that we got in this first episode. So I know he's going to go on an interesting journey. I've always enjoyed Falcon. Um Anthony Mackie just brings just this air of cool to the character, and so he's always been a breath of fresh air whenever we've seen him. I recently re-watched uh, The Winter Soldier, so Captain America, The Winter Soldier, and uh, that was the first time we saw Falcon, and uh, it, it just, it was awesome. Like, he was really just refreshing as the character, so uh, I'm hella intrigued to see where we go with him. Professor, what about you? What's your connection to both of the characters?
3: You know, not much, quite honestly. Uh, You know, growing up reading comics, whenever it was, you know, a comic that was, you know, Captain America or Captain America adjacent, I would just sort of sigh and move to the bottom of the pile. Uh, He was (laughs) one of my least favorite Marvel characters. And consequently, you know, uh, uh, the Winter Soldier or uh, Falcon, because they were associated with him, Uh, you know, I wasn't as interested in them. Uh, Now, them in the movies, similar, like they've been, you know, they haven't received a lot of time because they're not. Top tier characters, Um, uh, like you, uh, you know, I'm I'm much more of an Anthony Anthony Mackie fan because he's had more to do. Uh, You know, he's just, you know, he's 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 a charisma machine, Uh, and I suspect he knows it. But uh, you know, his scene in, uh, you know, uh, in Ant Man, his scenes there, he was great. Um, You know, he's he's you know just uh, one of those, you know, he's he's a very charismatic uh, figure, and I've said in the past, I don't really get the whole uh, you know Bucky adoration that we get. I think I kind of understood. After this episode, though, there were a couple of scenes uh, with Bucky where I sort of went, oh, I get why. People out there, predominantly women, uh, are going, you know, swooning for uh, for Sebastian Stan and uh, and the Winter Soldier. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think they're they're sort of underserved characters. They're sort of linked, you know, strangely by their connection to Captain America, as you mentioned. And so, you know, aside from that, there's no real reason. But you, you mentioned, you know, having uh, rewatched Civil War, you know, there's that great scene, you know, where, you know, they're they're sitting in that, you know, the Volkswagen and the Winter Soldier. Can you move your seat forward? Sam says, nope. And then you cut to the scene where you know, Captain America is kissing his niece. Let's not forget that happened. Um, uh, and they're just, you know, they're, they're, they're looking at him just nodding. Yeah, you get some Steve. So, I mean, and, and really that, you know, that just shows, and that's what we need. I think, you know, as uh, much as I enjoyed this episode, we did not get Falcon and winter soldier together. Uh, and I get that you're, you're setting it up. And if this was a movie, I don't think it would have bothered me as much because, you know, we would have done the, the 30 minutes of them apart. We would have gotten them together by the middle of the movie and going forward. But, We haven't had them together, so we haven't had, you know, the the chance for, you know, we have seen them together having, you know, a tremendous dynamic, a tremendous chemistry together. And that, I think, was what was missing from this episode. Okay, that's interesting. I have a different take on that. Uh, Yeah, uh, we'll we'll talk about it as we
1: move forward. Um, I will say, I am a fan of Sebastian Stan. Uh, Priscilla and I, I I think we both enjoyed the Jefferson character on Once Upon a Time. So... So I have seen him be kind of, uh, you know, the type of character that we saw in this episode. Uh, I had not really seen him be like that as the Winter Soldier before. But if we're going to be really honest about the Winter Soldier, he really hasn't had that many lines. Uh, Like, I I read a tweet someone said, and it was a gag, but I think it's probably true. They were like, Bucky probably talked... In this show, the most that he's ever talked in the MCU period, if you combine all of his scenes from the previous movies. And I'm like,
2: I can actually buy that.
1: And that probably is factually accurate.
2: It's so true. (laughs)
1: He's been in stuff. Like, he was, you know, he had a presence in The Winter Soldier. But now that I've recently seen it, he didn't really talk. And in Civil War, he did not have that many scenes. And he did talk, but there weren't that many scenes. Yeah, so it's like, it's funny. Like, Bucky really hasn't talked. I think his, his talkiest moment was in the first Captain America. But that one actually I haven't seen in a moment. So um, I, I know that uh, there's the accident. And so I think he disappears like halfway through the movie, right? Or maybe even before that. Because that's all. Um, yeah,
3: it's he, he does get more. You do get, you know, more of, of, uh, of Bucky Barnes before he becomes a winter soldier uh, in the first Avengers. So we get to see him, you know, a cap when they're growing up and we get to see, you know, uh, in the you know, him, uh, when they do that. So I think we do get more of Bucky uh, in that film. But, you know, he's not the winter soldier yet. That was, you know, the person that he was before yeah. what happened to him happened to him. Very true. Very true.
1: All right, so as the professor alluded, we do get two stories in this uh, premiere. We have an entire story featuring Sam Wilson, the Falcon, and we have an entire story featuring Bucky Barnes, the Winter Soldier. And they do not cross paths at all in this episode. So we're going to handle each storyline individually. And we're going to start off with, uh, with the Falcon so the first thing that I want to discuss is the major set piece, the major sort of cinematic action set piece that we get in this episode. It is a MCU big screen style action sequence that, oddly enough, and I'm so glad I watched uh, The Winter Soldier before this, it, it mirrors the opening scene of The Winter Soldier. We have a hero. Uh, saving a hostage from Batrock, and and that's what the Falcon does. Uh, we there's a hijacked plane over Tunisia. They need to get uh, the um, Air Force captain. Falcon is brought in. His man on the ground is a character by the name of Torres, who, point of personal privilege, I had no idea who he was, I didn't know he was a thing from the comics, then afterwards I realized he's a big thing from the comics, so that was really exciting, and in essence, it's a huge action set piece, it's all in the air, it is a little bit of CGI, and like, all this kind of, well, a lot of CGI, and it's just, it's, cinematic and of course Falcon saves the day and and that's you know it's it's spectacular I will also say before I start um, asking both of you about this it's fascinating that Falcon and the Winter Soldier as a Disney Plus series was supposed to be the first one that came out it was supposed to be Falcon and the Winter Soldier, then it was supposed to be WandaVision, then it was supposed to be Loki. Because of COVID and shutdowns and all that kind of stuff, WandaVision ended up being completed. Uh, the, the Most of it was completed, and that this, that, or the other. And so WandaVision came out first, and now it's Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I think that was probably the best thing that could have happened for Disney Plus, period. Because WandaVision was so different. I think we needed, or we need this sort of return kind of to normalcy with Falcon and the Winter Soldier before we get into Loki, which I think is also going to be completely different. So it's kind of nice that this series is kind of sandwiched between two series that are kind of out there. And, and I think it's, it's better than having this you know sort of more traditional MCU product and then having two sort of weirder stuff. I don't know. I just that's what I think. I don't know if y'all agree with that, but let's talk about this, Professor. What did you think of this
3: action sequence that we see with Falcon saving the day? Well, it uh, you know you were mentioning the idea that this was supposed to be the first, and I think they sort of were looking at it as a bridge going from the MCU to Disney Plus because that opening was MCU all the way. That was you know uh, you know amazingly shot incredible scenes, uh, you know, fight sequences, uh, you know, showing the hero being heroic, you know, uh, you know, outthinking uh his opponents as much as anything else. Uh, as you mentioned, the callbacks to uh the winter soldier with, you know, Cap jumping out of a plane without a parachute, um, you know, saving the hostage and even, you know, facing down uh Batrock, everyone's uh favorite uh, French uh uh, a leaping, kicking, uh, punching bag for uh, for heroes. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Um, so I think it was, a, and also, you know, as someone who speaks French, I was able to follow along. And yep, he was. Uh, you know, the uh, the subtitles did match up to what he was saying, which is not surprising because Georges Saint Pierre does speak French. Um, so yeah, I thought it was a, a very great way to open it. You know, you were mentioning the the contrast with One Division. I think you know this would have been. Um, I, I think yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens because I think One Division did manage to capture. Uh, The Zeitgeist, maybe more than the Winter Soldier uh, than Falcon and the Winter Soldier will. I think plenty of people will watch it, but I don't know if it's the sort of show where we'll be, you know, watching it as intently. Uh, You know, I can't imagine me going on a five minute cock and balls, uh, you know, analysis (laughs) from Falcon and the Winter Soldier. There you go. Um, uh, So, you know, um, uh, I think it's going to be a more conventional uh, MCU type story. And I think the opening of it really felt like that because, you know, it's, it's bringing us in, you know, it's, 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 we're launching right into it. And then we, you know, then we, 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 reset, we re-rack, uh, and we see the more personal moments. Uh, and they sort of do that with both of the characters, uh, intriguingly, you know, starting out with, you know, an action scene and then showing them in their daily life, uh, which felt much more like the MCU than, uh, than the first couple of episodes of, of WandaVision did.
1: True. Mr. St. Pierre is Canadian. Just, uh, French-Canadian. French-Canadian, yes, we oui, oui, monsieur. Okay, uh, so Priscilla, I want to get your take on this as well, but I want to get your take on Torres in particular because we're introduced to Torres in this sequence. And uh, initially he just seemed sort of like the man on the ground you know the ground support sort of like giving us a little bit of exposition you know we're introduced to the terrorist group LAF we now we learn that it's that rock that's behind it or at least involved with it we also get a little bit of intel as to what's been going on in the world through Torres when he's talking to Sam about another terrorist group that has been popping up called the Flag Smashers. So we see that they're sort of luring people in and they're using technology to gain sort of a following and that sort of thing. And uh, and we also learned that um, with the Flag Smashers, we, um, we're getting another ramification of Thanos's snap, that these people believe that life was better during the blip when half of the population was gone and in essence they want to return to that. So I want to get your take on two different things. Number one, Torres, who apparently is a big thing in the comics. And number two, uh, what do you think of just the idea of the Flag Smashers and the fact that we're seeing another ramification from Thanos' snap?
2: I love the fact that they brought up Torres, because in the comics he's supposed to be the next, like, um, Falcon So if this show Ends with Falcon taking On the mantle of Captain America And him taking on the mantle of Falcon That's just going to be like A perfect like circle And a perf- and I'm going to love that So yes Great perfect
1: Yes and a Latino Falcon It's awesome
2: Exactly more Latino representation In Are comic books love it, but um, I just wanted to say that I like him as a character. He adds he adds humor and like a touch of how do you say like life to the to the story. Like when he was like, "Is Captain America on the moon? Are you flying him (laughs) there?" And and, but and Falcon just kind of like um no, (laughs) what the hell are you on? (laughs) That was just perfect. But the Flag Smash, as for the Flag Smashers...
1: Well, Before we move into that, just uh, the fact that he was sort of, in essence, it was a, a sort of commentary on conspiracy theorists that are out there today. And so I just, I thought the shade of that was kind of spectacular. I was like, oh, they're talking about all those conspiracy people that are on YouTube talking about stuff i'm like okay that's funny continue on priscilla apologies
2: <laughs> well also when when they talk about the flag smashers i was just kind of like huh this so this is our new enemy that we're going to be facing because i figured that they're going to be the ones that are going to be the big bad because they've faced a foe that's going to how do I put this? That's going that that's that's going to challenge them both in I I don't wanna get into the next scene though. But I just okay. wanna say well, that, we're, that, we'll, that we're gonna be the there Black in a moment. Smashers,
1: huh? I said we're gonna be there in a moment.
2: Okay. I just want to say that, that the Flag Smashers look like they're going to be the next, the, the, the next big thing that they're going to fight against.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. They, certainly the tease, uh, the tease that was given at the start, uh, there was a payoff later on, which uh, we're, we will get into a moment. Um, so let's jump into... Uh, Before we do that, oh, can yes. I just
3: say something about Torres? Absolutely. Oh, thank you. Torres is Mephisto. Okay, yes. You know what I was am still thinking Wandavision. Oh my god. I, I'm so embarrassed.
1: Not gonna lie, I was ready to do a Mefisto as well as a Doctor Strange joke at some point during this podcast. Because <laughs> that was like the the prevailing theory of Wandavision and I was like, you know, might as well bring the gag in over here. Uh and then we can do it again over on Loki. Uh so let's move back to the US. So Sam goes to DC and there's this um this uh, what would you call it? Uh, it in essence, he's presenting uh, Cap's shield to be displayed at the Smithsonian, and he does you know a speech, you know in very a very Cap style speech about Steve Rogers, and then we get an MCU Avengers cameo. At least I'm calling it a cameo because I have no idea how much uh, Rhodey is going to be involved in uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. He was listed in the credits, so maybe he appears later on as well. Um, so we get a moment where, uh, in essence, Rhodey is asking Sam, you know, why, why didn't you do it? Why, why aren't you with the shield? And, uh, earlier in the episode, we had a a tiny scene, which I, we we are going to talk about that scene, but I want to talk about it when we talk about the final scene, because I feel like there's a bit of mirroring that they were trying to do there, um, where we hear like the lines from older Steve, uh, passing the torch in essence, the shield to, um, to Sam. And, uh, he echoed that to Rhodey. He was like, you know, it, it doesn't belong to me. It belongs to the cap basically so this was a small moment um if i'm being fully honest i wish we had more talk between Rhody and um and sam so my hope is that we see him again but professor what did you think of this small scene um you know a discussion am- amongst avengers
3: i thought it was good I, th- I think uh you know you don't want to overdo the uh Oh, the uh, the crossovers or the the special appearances, but I think having uh, you know Rhodey there to do that, he was the right person to do it. You know, he's a military man, so you know. Uh, also, it was nice to you know find out because you know last we heard in um, oh in uh, in Infinity War, uh, you know the uh, the Secretary of State was starting to have him court-martialed. Uh, so it's good to know that you know he got through that okay. Um, uh, yeah, but to have him you know basically you know uh, and quietly ask the question that all of us have. You know, uh, why didn't you take up the shield? You know, why didn't you do it? Uh, And I don't think Sam had the the best answer for that, although it is kind of interesting because, you know, at the end of of Endgame, it did feel that, you know, Steve was offering the shield. But to what extent is it Steve's to offer? Um, You know, he was Captain America. Does that mean you get to choose your successor? To what extent is Captain America supposed to be part of the government uh, you know, it, it, it does raise some interesting questions that, you know, we'll get to by the end of the episode. Uh, but I thought it was, it was a very nicely done scene. Uh, you know, the idea of there being, a, you know, a, uh, a display at the Smithsonian makes perfect sense. Um, it's it funny, too, like with the... Um, Oh, the question that Taurus was asking about, did he go up to the moon and stuff like that? Um, I did manage to freeze a frame when uh, Rhodey and uh, Sam were walking through the exhibit. And on the, uh, you know, uh, one of the plaques explaining what happened. It actually explains him going back in time to drop off uh, the stones. So, you know, you know, there is, you know, his story is there. Um, And uh, but, yeah, I I liked it. It was a quiet, measured scene, Uh, you know, especially coming as it did after, you know, that that kick-ass you know uh you know um an explosive action scene uh you know just having that that quiet moment of reflection between two avengers uh and it's it's also kind of interesting too because on one level roadie as war machine is sort of you know the obvious assumption is you know you would be picking up the mantle of iron man uh why isn't sam picking up the mantle of captain america so i think you know and they could have you know done that maybe a, a bit more uh and um uh, but o- overall, I thought it was it was a nice, quiet, thoughtful scene, and those were the right two characters to have it. So I thought it was, it was really good, just in terms of, of pacing uh, and to give us a transition into where we go next. It, it worked really, really well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wish we had more of it, though. And I need, at some point in the series, and I feel like we are going to get this, I, I need Sam to fully explain why he didn't want to pick up The shield uh, because I feel like it's more than just it belongs to Steve that's at least my hope is that there's a little bit more to that
3: I think we got a hint of it in his uh in his speech you know because it did have that uh that uh, uh that Sam uh you know slightly mocking his ability to stand stoically for pictures but when he was talking about what Steve was the symbol that Steve was I don't think Sam Wilson sees himself as being that kind of a symbol. He doesn't see himself as being on the same level as Captain America. So for him to step up and take that mantle, I think he would see as presumption, even though Steve basically said, you're the person I'm choosing to do this. I don't think Sam believes in himself uh, enough uh, to do that. And I think one of the, you know, the, the arcs that we're going to have to go through over the, you know, the, the, the run of Falcon, the winter soldier is that Sam is going to have to realize that he does have it in himself to be not Steve Rogers, but to be his own version of Captain America. He is every bit as heroic, every bit as, as good, you know, his, his heart is as pure as Steve's was. And I think it's going to be, you know, that's going to be his, his, uh, his process of, of self-realization. Uh, if we assume that you know by the end of the uh, the arc, he's going to be carrying the shield. Priscilla,
1: what about you? What's your take on uh, the Rhodey Falcon conversation?
2: I loved it. I f- I felt though that <sighs> I felt that it was. Mo- I I felt the imagery was more powerful though, like the the fact that it was. The shield juxtaposition uh, uh, by like a barrier a clear barrier and that clear barrier was what was set between him between the falcon and the shield that mm-hmm. would have been his that like and that's kind of like enforcing the conversation which is the fact that he can't take the shield it's not his to take
1: I like that. The imagery was fantastic in this episode. Like, props to Kari Skogland, who is the director. She did, I mean, please, MCU, give her a film. Because this was a beautifully shot episode. From the larger set pieces to the more smaller intimate sequences. I mean, it was just visually impressive. So moving on, in this conversation with Brody, we get a little tease of uh, Sam's family, which we didn't really, I'm trying to think, period, like point blank in the period, did we get any information about Sam in any of the films? I feel like no. So the fact that he's got a sister in New Orleans, and, no, not New Orleans, it's in Delacroix, uh, Louisiana, um like the, it, it expanded his world which clearly i mean it's a series it's supposed to expand his world so in the next scene we are introduced to his sister sarah and uh, we learn of the just financial struggles that she's been having to keep the family fishing business afloat see what i did there and, uh, yeah, so we get a little bit of their relationship. We also...
3: Sorry, sorry Jeff, I didn't, I didn't see what you did there. Could you explain it for us? Oh, I'll explain it in the after show.
1: Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> yes. And so we also see that um, what we have, Sam, who's, in essence, I mean, he's a hero in real life with like the Avengers, but he's a hero in his personal life as well because he's really trying to save the day with his sister and like and get the proper funding that's needed to expand and to in essence save the business. So they go down to the bank and even though he is an Avenger, at the end of the day, um, that does not help him secure any type of credit or loan to to save uh, the family's business. We're going to stop right here for a moment. And I want to talk about Sarah in particular. I want to talk about their relationship. And I also want to talk about the revelation that we had in this episode, which is something that I don't think has ever been discussed in the MCU proper. Like, how do the Avengers make money? How do they make money? How do they make a living? How can they afford homes and apartments and beautiful cars and this is that or the other how can they afford it and uh it turns out as much as stark did a whole bunch of stuff technologically he didn't set up like a fund for them or anything i mean sam is working with the government he's working with the U.S. air force ugh, the us air force and so he's got like government contracts and that sort of thing but it's not like he has Avengers money that he can use to save the day with his sister. And it's it's not even like he can get a loan. Which does make me question, how did Vision get a loan to get a house? But Sam can't for his freaking business? I mean, that's... Vision's mean,
2: computer, he probably like played the stock market for a little bit. Like, I was just kind of like, okay, here you go.
3: Now that's funny. He broke off a fingernail's worth of vibranium and sold it. I know. Right. Priscilla,
1: talk to me about this. Whichever way you want to go, do you want to talk about Sarah? You want to talk about uh, the scene at the bank, wherever you want to go, we will follow you.
2: I was just going to say that. What is it with superheroes always having trouble with the bank? Like, it was Spider Man and before and like now it's Falcon. And, like every time, superheroes seem to be like really poor and never seem to have trouble, and always seem to have trouble like with the bank and with loans. It's always it's always the case, and the bank always seems to have the upper edge, being like well you guys should have been paid by the billionaires that you're friends with or by the government or you you guys should get paid for being heroes instead of just doing it for free because that's not a job you should get a real job like i don't know that sucks i i, I was watching like usually i get like reciprocal like embarrassment whenever it comes to like really sad moments like that and i was watching that one with like that moment with like my hand over my eyes being like no i feel so bad for you guys why
1: yeah they did bring race into it a little bit which i thought was interesting um just because that
2: was That was so good. Yeah. I loved the fact that they brought in race into it, because it's true.
1: It is true, because it's real life. And if we really think about it, in the MCU, outside of Black Panther, we haven't really had to deal, or I don't want to say we haven't really had to, They, they just haven't brought up race issues and racism and racial inequality in the MCU, kind of period, outside of Black Panther. And so the fact that they brought it up here, I thought was really important because we are dealing with a black superhero. And, uh, you know, just because he's a superhero doesn't mean that at the end of the day, he isn't a black man in America. And uh, I I like that they brought it up there. Um, Because it was very real. And it also is reflective of the writer's room. We have a black showrunner, and uh, in an interview that I read over the weekend, um, he said that the majority of uh, the writers in the writer's room are black. And so it it helps when uh, there's representation in... The writers' room. Another thing that I do wonder, and I sort of teased it before, and and uh, so I'll bring it up now. Another thing that I wonder about the hesitancy about Sam taking the mantle is because he's a black man in America, and I wonder if he has any qualms about being a black man and how people would react to that as as being this symbol of America. Because uh, you know, out of all of the Avengers, this is Captain. America and uh, I wonder if they would sort of tackle that subject as one of his qualms and I think that could be really interesting
2: well they had I don't know if this gets into spoiler territory but like in the clips at the very end the the um the ending show the ending markers so to speak they had a clip of the the black um the first black captain america so maybe they'll bring him up in the show
1: oh interesting oh you mean at the the end credits when they showed flashes of imagery oh okay mm-hmm. very interesting maybe yeah i'm sure that's i mean yeah i would think that if they're showing it at the end credits that it would be something that they might tackle on the series. Uh, What about Sarah? What did you think of her, Priscilla?
2: I liked her. I thought she was a really great foil to to fuck, and, like, she has the same sort of core of I'm just as sassy and I'm just as... uh, and I'm just as cool as you are, but I have responsibilities that I had to deal with and I have to be tough. I I was a widow. I had to raise two kids while you were on the blip. It's made her somehow like her core even stronger than Falcon's is I should say. Like mm-hmm. it's it made her so relatable and so cool. Like I just I loved her. I felt that she was I don't know. Throughout the whole bank statement and stuff, when she's just kind of like, I've been through this process before. We can't we can't get a loan. We should just sell the boat. I I I was kind of I I felt bad and I felt for her. I felt I felt like she had the point. Like she, if she's gone through this and it's been 5 years, that means she's gone through all of the 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 ups and downs mm-hmm. so she knows what she's talking about he wants to swoop in and be the hero but sometimes you just can't do that
1: yeah not in the real world in real life very true professor what's your take on uh... Sarah, what would you think of her in in the episode, as well as uh, the storyline with uh, Sam going to the bank, trying to get the loan? Um, I I will say, just before I I let you give your take on it, Professor, the one thing that I thought was very real about their conversation, outside of just the chemistry that they have... um, Whenever you hear celebrities sort of talking about their family uh, in interviews and that sort of thing, you always hear celebrities say, oh, they're, you know, they're not impressed with, you know, whatever, the Grammy that I have or, you know, this, that, or the other. So the fact that she was like, oh, yeah, you know, when you went up there and you were fighting with, what did she call him, Dr. Spaceman or something? Like, I was just like, the fact that she is just not impressed with it, it made me laugh. And I was like, okay, that's, that's real life right there. a Professor, What's your take on Sarah?
3: Oh, Sarah's great. She and, uh, and Sam have, you know, a, a tremendous chemistry. They really do feel like a brother and sister, like when she hit him and, uh, uh, and later when he goes, hey, don't hit me again. Uh, but also, you know, uh, cause she said, you know, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. And, and he said, no, oh, I can, I can fix it. I can save the day. On the bank, it turns out she was right. And uh, you know, and and she's basically telling him, look, you don't understand. You went away. I'm the one who stayed behind and have been dealing with this. And uh, it felt very real. Uh, uh, you know, obviously, you know, a a loving and affectionate relationship between two siblings, but some tensions, you know, there's obviously some tension she has that, you know, he went away, not just going off to space and, and not blipping. Uh, but, you know, he joined the Air Force. He, you know, left the family behind. She was the the dutiful child who stayed behind and ran the business and kept it going and kept in the family. And and he's the one who's coming back saying, well, you can't sell the house and and you can't sell the boat, you know, because they're half mine. She's the one who stayed behind, and I think there's an understandable—you know—I don't want to say resentment, but uh, you know, understandable sense that hey, hey, you don't understand what I've had to go through. While you've been off doing your thing, uh, so that felt very real to me. That the two of them are great. Uh, let's not forget to mention, uh, you know, the two nephews. Uh, wow, those kids are delightful. Um, uh, I don't know if they're actors. They didn't seem like actors. They just seemed, uh, you know, incredibly real. That scene with the uh, no video games, yes video games. And then the three, two, one, boom. They were. Pitch perfect. Um, the scene in the bank, oh, heartbreaking. You, you saw it coming, you know. And and part of that is because this is, you know, the thing that separates uh, Marvel heroes from DC heroes is that Marvel heroes, not so much in the MCU. And I think it's interesting that I think maybe they are going a little bit more back to the comic book origins uh, for these MCU, uh, these Disney Plus shows. Because I do think we're going to be dealing with issues of racism, in which, as you said, they haven't really dealt with that in the MCU. We're going to be dealing with, you know, uh, issues of, of poverty, which we again haven't really dealt with in the MCU. Uh, you know, uh, they're they're going to be dealing with, you know, the you know one of the things that the uh, uh, the bank guy said is that you know post blip. You know, all these people have shown up and that, you know, changes how much money is available, uh, for these resources and stuff like that. So, you know, they're, they're grounding it. So even though you're, you're starting the episode off with, you know, a guy flying through the air and and shooting people willy-nilly at random, um, you know, that's then grounded by the, the reality of the lives that the heroes lead. And again, that's, that's very, uh, Marvel truthiness. Once again, you know, shout out to a uh, mediocre white man who turns out to be the bad guy. You know, way to go, Marvel. Uh, that, it's become like you know, when you see someone holding an Apple phone, you know they're a good guy. Uh, and when you see someone not holding an Apple phone, you know they're a bad guy. Uh, similarly, uh, anytime you see a middle-aged white guy in a Marvel show going forward, I'm just going to assume they're bad. Uh, and uh, I haven't been disappointed so far. Well, there you go. But it's true Android people are evil. Hey, uh, but you know, that, that is actually a, a true thing. Apple will only allow the heroes uh, to use their products when they're, uh, they're allowing people to use their, their products in movies. So that's a little uh, tip you can use when you're watching a TV show or a movie. If someone is using an Apple phone, you know they're going to be a good guy. Oh, That's fascinating. I did not know that. I will start looking at people's phones. Angelos Torres, Torres was holding mm-hmm. an Apple phone, which means he's not Mephisto. Oh, okay. Well, that is true.
1: But that still leaves maybe one of the kids to being
3: Mephisto. Yeah. They were adorable, they didn't though. see their phones. That is true. They, they, they were just so natural. Adorable, were, yeah. I mean, the, the two must be brothers in real life, but they just did not seem like they were acting at all. They just seemed utterly, oh, mom's away, let's go play games. I know, right? Time for Fortnite. Okay, so moving right along, we're going to continue with this story. And uh, oh, one the little audience. thing I, I did want to mention mm-hmm. uh, getting back to you know the white devil in the bank. Um, one thing that sort of struck me about um, uh, the way they were playing that and again, you know, uh, Anthony Mackie is playing Sam Wilson as you know, bit of a celebrity, you know, you know, a, a big deal Avenger. I did kind of like the idea that you know when the guy was trying to place him you know, and, and couldn't quite place him, he, his immediate assumption was, you know, he's, he's an athlete, you know, did you play for, you know, LSU or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it it felt to me very much the sort of scene where, you know, you have someone who has been, you know, the, uh, the college celebrity or, or even a pro player or something like that. Uh, But, you know, their celebrity doesn't go as far in, you know, the real world or, or when you're dealing with the financial people. And I think that was, you know, a, a, a dose of reality that, you know, obviously, Sam's sister expected all along, but I think that Sam had to experience, Um, you know, uh, you know, in in terms of, you know, coming back to Earth, uh, you know, it it doesn't really matter. And again, I think to a certain extent, I think having a sister sort of call out the, uh, you know, the potential racial aspects of that. Uh, I think was important and I think is definitely something that they're going to be dealing with going forward. Um, but I think, you know, the uh, the equation of, you know, a superhero with uh, a a star athlete, which is also often a role played in predominantly white communities by the, the uh, you know, the black members of the community uh, and that they are, you know, lauded for what they're doing when they're on the field. But once they're off that field, hmm, you're no longer such a big deal, are you? I think the same thing is, you know, and in, in, it's, it's sort of a microcosm for what Sam is going through. Uh, with the white devil at the bank,
1: yeah, and um it, it's funny because you made the the idea that he was up you know in space and fighting and that kind of thing uh, I think that moment, and this is not to use a pun, but I think it grounded him a little bit, like it brought him back to reality, you know, he has been with the Avengers for so long, like I think that was a moment to just remind him that he's basically a black man in America. And uh, I know that they gave the excuses of the blimp and that kind of thing, but I'm glad that Sarah brought, you know, sort of just uh, basically, you know, the, the the concept of racial inequality into the mix. And, um, uh, yeah, I'm interested to see where they go with that. So, moving on. We see Torres. He's uh, investigating the Flag Smashers, and he actually shows up to a Flag Smasher event. He has no idea what he's doing. He's like, what do we do? And uh, a woman with uh, fantastic hair shows up and starts handing people masks. So they're all wearing these masks. And then uh, they get a text Because they're all, you know, they're all a part of, I guess, this Flag Smashers app or whatever. And it says, run. And so they all start running. And in essence, what they're doing is they're covering up a robbery. And uh, some dude that's a part of the Flag Smashers that has superhuman strength, maybe superhuman abilities, um, ends up... uh, fighting with some people, Torres, you know, ends up getting into an altercation with him, and is knocked unconscious, and then later on, he, because he had been filming all of this, he sends the footage to Sam, and uh, shows him, like, what the Flag Smashers have been up to, and clearly, you know, they're, they're dealing with enhanced people. While that's going on, we have uh, we have Sarah, you know, telling Sam to look at the TV, and on the TV we have the U.S. government, um, the new man that we're all gonna hate. He's in in essence the Hayward of this show. <laughs> Hayward, shout out to WandaVision. Uh, he ends up introducing us to bum a brand new Captain America. So the shield that Sam had donated has been given to this gentleman. He does not have a name, but his official name is John Walker. Burm, burm, burm. Now, I want to go back and reference the very opening of the series, because the series opens and closes with two quiet scenes. I mean, we do have the TV going on, but quiet as in Anthony Mackey isn't talking. And all we get is him emoting. And man, just props to Anthony Mackie. What a great actor. Because he conveyed everything in that opening and everything in that ending that I needed to know as far as to what Sam was going through. There was so much being said in the stillness. And I just loved it. Props to whomever it was that created this, whether it was the writers or the director, Anthony Mackey, I mean, all that were involved. Just beautiful. Just the opening and the closing. It was just spectacular. So let's talk about this. We learn a bit more about the Flag Smashers. We got at least a little bit of intel as to um, what type of people we're dealing with. It looks like it's people with metahuman abilities and we have captain america 2.0 brr, brr. priscilla i know that you you had wanted to talk a little bit about the flag smashers i don't know if it was this scene or i don't know if it was the captain america scene but uh the floor is yours let's talk about it
2: yeah this completely cemented the fact that they're going to be the the big bad of of the se- of the season cuz well you saw the 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 guy with the powers come up and completely like demolish our Torres. Like I I was just kind of like,
1: you don't hurt yeah. Torres.
2: What the hell? Like what are you gonna do? Like he went up to him and I'm like, did you see how he bent the metal? No, you're not <laughs> he did. Yeah. shit to him.
1: I know, right? It was too dark. It was nighttime. He didn't see that part. <laughs> if not, he maybe wouldn't have approached.
2: I was like, shit, no, that is not smart, man. That is not smart, not cool, but very brave, very brave of you. Good good superhero tendencies.
1: For, for you, Glen Coco.
2: (laughs) Exactly. I don't know, just... That girl with the red hair that came out at the beginning, and the guy... With the uh, with the mask with 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 the superhero powers, both of them are gonna be like here, like people of note that we're gonna like know more about. I
1: Ooh, is that a bold prediction?
2: Yes, that's a bold prediction. I love it because you can't have a girl with hair that like shiny and stuff I know. Like
1: that. Hair that hair was spectacular. something big. Yeah, the hair was everything. Uh,
2: otherwise, they would have put, like, just a girl with brown hair.
1: Yes. Captain America 2.0? Mm-hmm.
2: Thoughts? That, that guy. Oh, my God. I hate him.
1: I know, right? He's, wait, can yeah. I just say this? I love Goldie Hawn. I love Kurt Russell. This is their offspring. But I hate this man. (laughs) And and he was quoted somewhere um, in an interview, and he was like, I fully understand that I am joining the MCU, and I'm probably going to be one of the most hated people at the MCU. And he was like, you know what? I understand it, and I'm okay with it. And I was like, all right, look at you. At least you're owning it.
2: Yeah, because the way... spoilers maybe for the future but like the way he is in the comics he's not a likable guy he's like he's not one of those charismatic villains that you want to like root for or something like that the way it was like Wakanda and stuff like that with with that villain or something like that or or with other villains we've seen in the m c u like this guy's just kind of a he- shit heel, well,
1: I guess we keep- we're looking forward to that,
2: yeah, but <laughs> so at least it'll be funny when he gets when when he gets his ass kicked, which is what I'm hoping for
1: oh yes, yeah, t minus um Maybe four episodes before that happens.
2: Maybe, and maybe it's just me, but, like, did, did, did you see, like, the little, like, skull cap thing that he had on? Like, it looked like it was on too tight on his head or something, because, like, it squished his head so- somewhat, and it made him look kind of like the old man from Up.
1: I did see the meme, and it was very funny. They also said... Um, you know, they they kept on doing memes where it was like, "Here's you know the the picture on the website, and then here's what you get from Wish or something like that." And I was like, "Oh, that's so sad
0: and accurate."
1: <laughs> yeah, Professor, your take on the flag smashers and the new intel that we got, as well as Cap Two.
3: Well, I may be the only person who thinks this, but I thought the person who Beat up Taurus was a woman, not a guy. I could be entirely wrong about this, but for some reason, uh, just watching it, uh, I was convinced it was a woman who uh, who handed him his ass. I think it's kind of interesting from the, the flag smasher point of view because they're sort of setting up, you know, the fact that they were doing this robbery. So it could be that, you know, they're, uh, you know, uh, a bit uh, sort of like um, – Oh, uh, the Mandarin in Iron Man three, where this is, you know, uh, a misdirect and they're just using, you know, this uh, this political movement to hide the fact they're stealing stuff. But I think the fact that they did have the flag smasher seeing a cop beat up a person and go over and, you know, take on the cop, uh, you know, stop him from beating up on the person sort of suggests that, you know, there probably is an actual political motivation to this. Uh, it was a very interesting idea, the idea of passing out all the masks and uh, uh, and then getting away in the uh, uh, in the confusion and the handoff to the two people who uh, who grabbed the uh, duffel bags and, and ran off the duffel bags uh, was, you know, very well orchestrated. Um, you know, there's obviously, you know, whether it's Flag Smasher or someone else, there's a very smart person uh, behind the planning of it. Uh, I thought it was very nicely done. Um, yeah. The reveal of, uh, of new cap cap is back captain America too. Um, absolutely punchable face. Um, yeah. you know, which is, I, I can't help but wonder like the Marvel people are really good. And, and I mean, obviously they want us to feel a certain way towards this cap replacement because he's, uh, he's not Sam. And, you know, because, you know, Sam gave up the shield voluntarily. And then this guy just, Oh, I don't know. We're going to give it to this douchebag. Um, I can't help but wonder when I look at him, if rather than being a, this, you know, this, I I don't necessarily want this to be, you know, a wild prediction, Uh, whether instead of being, you know, this malign force, whether he might just be a gormless idiot, he might just be a moron. Because the way he posed, the way he looked in that costume, the way he winked at the camera did not make me think this is like an evil villain who's going to be a worthy adversary for our uh, for our uh, our heroes, this struck me as a chump. A cheese ball. Um, yeah, a total cheese ball who is just, you know, uh, totally gormless. Now, in the comics, he's, you know, as as Priscilla was saying, he's a bad guy, he's a racist, he's, uh, you know, quite vile. Uh, I'm wondering if they might pivot away from that and just make him sort of a sad loser. Uh, you know, totally gormless um, uh, rather than than going that route. Um, I don't know, but just the way they presented him, it doesn't make me think that, oh, this is going to be, you know, a villain we're going to face for the next X episodes. This strikes me as, you know, uh, some sad, pathetic cosplayer. Oh, nothing against cosplayers, some of my best friends, et cetera, et cetera. But that's what it struck me as. And, and I can't imagine, uh, they did that uh, unintentionally. I think if he was going to be a threat, he would have been presented quite differently, but I do agree with you, Jeff. When you were setting it up, the, the fact that we got that uh, that quiet scene of uh, uh, of Anthony Mackie watching it and his reaction to it, uh, you know, very strong, uh, and it shows. you know, Anthony Mackey can convey a lot without actually having to say anything. Yeah, there was something powerful in the stillness
1: in the opening and in the closing. Um, I was just, I found it really impressive.
3: Uh, okay. Oh god. Also, because you didn't mention it, we did open up. Uh, you know, that, uh, that still moment, uh, with the Falcon, uh, of course there was the other MCU, um, uh, uh, you know, um, cameo that you didn't mention, which is Iron Man.
1: Iron Man? When did we?
3: He was ironing his shirt. Oh, He was God. a man who was ironing yes. his shirt.
1: That was a good one. I didn't see that, as Pietro would say, I did not see that coming. That was good. you see what I did there? Yeah, that was brilliant. Uh, you get a podcast Emmy just for that, um, Yeah. Fantastic. Okay, so let's see. I'm trying to think. Did we cover everything? Yeah, I feel like we covered everything with Sam. So uh, clearly, new Captain America. We will have to deal with him. He he does have a punchable face, as the professor said. Um, so uh, you know, apologies to Goldie and and Kurt. Let's move on to New York City. So before we even talk about Bucky, let's talk about that dream. So we get another action set piece, but is it is teeny tiny, teeny 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 compared to the one that Sam got at the start of the film. But it was, you know, we did get to see Bucky Barnes in his Winter Soldiery in his Winter Soldier Finest, I should say. Well, it depends on if you think Finest is when he's murdering people willy-nilly. But we get to see him in his Winter Soldier days. Uh, Bucky is having nightmares, and uh, we see a glimpse to the past. It was a tiny moment. It was very actiony. y uh, What did we think of this? And, and clearly it mirrors something that happens later on. We'll talk about that in a moment. But as far as just an action piece, what do we think of it? I'll just open it to the floor
3: because it was such a small moment. I thought it was really well shot because, you know, on first watching, uh, you know, it wasn't clear was this, you know, uh, Bucky from the past or was it Bucky? Because I was watching and thinking, is that his vibranium arm? I'm not sure. And then there were times when I thought I maybe saw the red star on his shoulder, but I wasn't sure. It's not until the very end of the scene when he's walking down the hall towards the guy that he's going to shoot that you really see the red star on the shoulder. And then it's okay; It's obvious. This is a a, a flashback. This is the old Winter Soldier. But I thought they did a very good job of hiding that with the editing leading up to it. So, you know, it wasn't clear because this could have been, you know, uh, Bucky on a mission for the government or something like that. Um, but uh you know so then the fact that we didn't see it until the very end uh, I thought was a really good reveal, and then you know, uh bang, wake up, uh I thought it was you know a very nicely choreographed and shot sequence to to keep that you know uh, a little bit more obscure
1: yeah the the first thing that I noticed because they had been showing us the locations you know via text on the screen, you know washington d c this that or the other, I noticed that they didn't show us the location for this place, so I was like. Why didn't they do that? Like, I was confused the first time I watched it, but then, you know, when I realized it was a dream, I was like, okay, that's why they didn't show the location. The other thing that um, I thought was brilliant was Bucky was sleeping on the floor, and um, having just watched Winter Soldier, uh, there's a conversation that Sam has with, um, with Cap when they first meet, and uh, he's like, it's the beds, right? and uh, he talks about how the beds are too comfortable that you know it it's it's different than when we were in, in the trenches and i was like is I, this has to be a little bit of an homage to that that bucky you know can't sleep on a bed he has to sleep on the hard floor and i was like that was a good callback which you know if you've seen all the movies or if you did a rewatch it's something that you pick up if if you haven't then it's something that just
3: sort of flies over your shoulder. But also, given what we now know about, you know, superheroes getting paid, he might not be able to afford a bed. He afforded that beautiful-ass apartment <laughs> that had some furniture it. That like a beautiful-ass apartment to me. That seemed it like, uh, you know, kind of a miserable... Well, it's I a mean, New York City apartment. Cable,
1: but... Aren't all New York City apartments expensive?
3: I'm sure they are, but I, I don't think there was any intent of, of showing that as being anything other than, you know, kind of a miserable grotty little place with, you know, without even a kitchen, you know, because his microwave was up there, you know, behind him. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think we're supposed to think that, you know, uh, Bucky has, you know, lots of hydro money that he's relying on or anything like that. True. But it's still in a, it's an apartment in New York city. Maybe it's not beautiful, it's but an it's apartment
1: in New York. Yes. Expensive. So let's talk about this therapy session because I will tell you, I love this moment completely. And the fact that, the, that his uh, therapist gave zero fucks was spectacular. Like, every time she would be like, so you're, you know, Nightmares, you're lying. Like, I just, I loved her so much, and I hope that we see much more of her as the series progresses. Let's talk about this, because um, in this therapy session, we learn a couple things. Well, I should also mention, I haven't mentioned this at all, period. Um, This series takes place six months after the blip. So after everyone returns, I should say, from the blip. Um, And we learn that uh, Bucky has been pardoned, and part of his pardon is that he has to make There's like this three-point rules, you know, that he can't kill people, he can't do anything illegal, I'll put that in air quotes, Um, and uh, he has to convey to the people that he is, uh, that he's Bucky, that he's, what's his name? He's James Buchanan Barnes, right? That's his name? I'm trying to remember his full name, because I always just call him Bucky. Yes, James Buchanan Barnes, and uh, that he is no longer the Winter Soldier, and this, that, or the other. And we actually see him in action doing that, in in essence, taking down a um, political person that was benefiting from his Winter Soldier days. Let's talk about this therapy session. Priscilla, what did you think of it? Did you fall in love with the therapist as I did? Wasn't she just awesome
2: I fucking love the therapist. She was no bullshit. She was per. She was a perfect therapist, especially when she was just kind of like, "Oh no, not with the, not with the tablet, not with the writing again." And she and she was just kind of like, "I'm gonna write if you if, if you don't if if you don't talk, I'm gonna write." And he and I I'm glad that she got him to open up at least a little bit during the therapy session and got him to be a little bit more open and honest with her, which is what therapy is all about. Like she's a really good therapist. And I don't know, like it was the the way it's juxtaposition too, like the fact that it was just kind of like trees in the background, but like Bucky is just kind of like small and alone there in the foreground in the front, like not part of the trees, not part of like the, not part of the world that he belongs in there, like a, a stranger to this new world. Like, it, I, I, and all the camera shots are like really, really, really close up just to, to, to frame the lies that he's telling the therapist. Like, it's, it's good. Whoever, whoever directed this, aces, really good job.
1: Yes, I agree. But not only were they close-ups, but they were shot from above. So it was almost like we were, you know, it was like a descent into Bucky's psyche, which was fascinating. It was a really interesting camera choice. Uh, Professor, what's your take on
3: Bucky's therapy session? Well, I also love the therapist. I'm pretty sure she's Mephisto.
1: Yes, and she is. she
3: keeps writing in is the Dark World. So You're uh, right. that's uh, that's just my little prediction there. Uh, no, great scene. And this was the scene where, you know, I, I, you know I, I've i said before, I don't really get the whole fascination with Sebastian Stan. It was in this scene that I went, oh, I get the Sebastian Stans now. He was really charming. You know, he was funny. Um, you know, uh, uh, and, you know, in the scene where, you know, he's uh, – he's doing the leaning down and introducing himself. Uh, I'm James Buchanan Barnes. Uh, You know, he gives this absolutely fake smile that you've given that situation. The smile. Um, It it really felt great. Uh, I just wanted to, uh, I think, uh, you said that you know part of his parole was that he um has to to make amends i don 't think that's the case I think part of his parole is the therapy, and part of his therapy is making amends so oh, okay, i don't possibly. think it's that if he if he isn't apologizing to people, they can throw him in jail or anything like that. I think it's that you know as long as he 's going through the process um uh that uh yeah so that at least that was the take I took from it okay that could be true, yeah, yeah. Hey, if you get pardoned for everything, I mean you do what you need to do. So make sure you keep that pardon. So Well then that's yeah. the thing. If if it's a pardon, a pardon is a pardon. You can't undo a pardon, I don't think. So I mean if you're paroled, then it can be a condition of your parole.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Well 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 yeah. I guess yeah. Maybe they'll explain a little bit later exactly what the what the deal is. Um yeah, but it looks like he's clearly being forced by the government to go to therapy, which, to be quite honest, I feel like he kind of needs anyway, whether he wants to be there or not. Uh, I mean, Bucky has gone through a lot.
2: Well, dude, like, yeah, I feel like everybody in the MCU needs to go to therapy. <laughs>
1: you know what? You have never like, lied in your life with that statement. I it
2: to you enough. Like, Wanda, yeah, Bucky freaking like even falcon like everybody needs to go to therapy yeah you're all fucked up
1: yeah you're true yeah i read a, a tweet uh over the weekend after this aired and they were like marvel phase four um you know tackling mental health and i was like you know that's true so far we had it with wanda and now we're having it with Bucky. I feel like we're going to need something with Sam as well. I think in the trailer, um, this isn't really a spoiler, but you know we know that Sam and Bucky are going to team up at some point. And you know, part of the comedy of one of the scenes of the trailer is them in therapy together. And now that I'm thinking, I'm like, I think it's the same woman. I so maybe so. we do see her again. Yeah. But, I mean, clearly um, mental health seems to be one of the top issues that... Uh, the MCU is trying to tackle with these Disney Plus series. I don't know if we're going to get some of that with Loki, um, just because his his entire series sounds quite fascinating. But maybe, uh, who knows? But it, it is fascinating that at least both of these Disney Plus series um, are tackling those issues. And another thing that I read that I thought was really interesting as well was um, someone had tweeted something to the gist of, are we getting spoiled with these Disney Plus series? You know, because we are getting the chance to really get to know these characters on a much deeper level than we would in a typical two-ish hour MCU film. Like, are we getting spoiled? With these series? Like, are we going to be able to go back to watching, you know, the, you know, MCU film X and, uh, you know, just dealing with. A protagonist you know going through all this stuff and this that or the other, it was an interesting take. I mean, I think we all will because I think our brains are uh, smart enough to understand one thing is a movie and, and another thing is a series that will be able to explore these characters a little bit more, um, but it was an interesting idea nonetheless. Um, I do feel like we are getting spoiled a little bit just because it's it 's spectacular to be able to just get to know these characters on a deeper level than we have in the past. And it's been brilliant, um, just to heap more praise on Marvel, the fact that they're choosing these side characters. You know, we had Wanda and Vision in a bunch of movies, but teeny tiny moments in those movies. And they were given a nine-episode series that really explored those characters on a deeper level. And we're getting that with two characters that, as we stated at the start of this podcast, you know, we knew very little of. Uh, Falcon probably had a little bit more screen time and a little bit more to do, but uh, Winter Soldier has been in the background, and uh, now we have them at the forefront. So, continuing on with the Winter Soldier. So, we learn a little bit of his living situation. We learn about his neighbors. We um, meet... A gentleman, an older man by the name of Yori, who is one of Bucky's neighbors, and we see that they have a friendship, and uh, and it, it is because of Yori that Bucky ends up going out on a date with the waitress at the restaurant that they're at, and um, through the date and and. All of the awkwardness of the dates. Um, we learn that. Uh, well, we also learn through Yori. Like we we are brought. It's brought up twice that Yori's son was dead, and you know he loved the red bean um, ice cream, and uh, or the red bean mochi. And um, we learn that um, that Yori doesn't know how his son died. His his son was killed without explanation. And, uh, through the waitress, um, she ends up saying something incredibly profound, uh, you know, especially for a first date conversation. You know, there's a word for, you know, a child that's lost their parents. There's a, a word, you know, when you lose your spouse, but there isn't a word for a parent that's lost their child. And that triggers Bucky and clearly, We and and Bucky knows that the the flashback that we saw was Yori's son being killed. It looked like Bucky was gonna go and have the talk with Yori. Maybe that's how I read it. But then he he just couldn't. You know, once he saw you know that um, in essence Yori has a little bit of a memorial with his photo and candles and that sort of thing, and and so. yeah, so he doesn't. Let's talk about this. Bucky on a date. 106-year-old man on a date who hasn't had a date since the 40s. Bucky on a date, and then the revelation about Yori's son. I-, I will tell you, for me, I didn't put two and two together with like Yori and the son really until Yori was talking about the mochi. And then I was like, oh... Oh, this friendship went dark and deep in a way that I was not expecting.
3: Um, so
1: uh,
3: let's see um, uh,
1: professor, let's start off with you.
3: Well, I didn't see the uh, the reveal until uh you know uh, Bucky was standing there outside of and looking in. Uh, oh, wow. and Seeing it, so that took me completely by surprise. Uh, I've been uh, mistaken because I was sort of thinking about it in terms of you know uh, h- him hanging out with uh, uh, with the the older guy. I was thinking, well, you know because I was confused about my world wars, I was thinking, well, he might be in someone that he knew back in world war two. No, Bucky was world war. Yeah, it was world war two. I, I could have been right about that. Uh, you know, uh, he could have been, you know, you know, a, a an old person that he knew from that period of time. You know, he was, you know, slightly old enough, maybe probably not now that I think about it, but that was what was throwing me off. I thought he was, you know, reconnecting with, you know, uh, a guy that he knew from the war in, in the same way that they had, um, Oh, in, uh, I think it was Age of Ultron, where, you know, Captain America was hanging around with uh, with, you know, older soldiers uh, from World War Two as well. So that was what I was thinking that whole thing was about. Uh, so it took me completely by surprise uh, when we got that reveal um, prior to the reveal. Wow. Great uh, date scene. Uh, charming. Uh, you know, she clearly found him charming. Um, uh, you know, throwing in the little references like him showing up the flowers. Well, that's the most old fashioned thing. And how old are you? I'm 106. You know, all the little jokes that are true. Uh, but you know, when people don't understand the truth, you know, why are you wearing the gloves? Poor circulation. Um, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it was really well done, but yeah, just, uh, uh, it, it was a great payoff. Uh, for that dream sequence to realize why he's having that dream is because he's trying to find a way to, to make it up to this man. But how can he do that? He can make it up when he's doing the negative thing of bringing down someone that he helped out, but how can he atone for what he did to this person? Um, And I think, I suspect that's going to be a reveal, you know, that he, he's going to find some peace, uh, he's going to have to be forgiven for that, for that you know, one small act uh, before he can move on. Uh, by the end of the series, yeah.
1: Ooh, talk about the the feels. Priscilla, talk to me about it. The the date. I will say the whole lucky cat thing with, you know, with the waving and him stopping. That was just. It it was a moment that I will cherish for my life. I mean, that was just a giftable moment right there, Priscilla. The date, and Yori.
2: Oh my God, the date was so sad. Like it was cute. I I I get that, but like it was so sad because of that 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 quote. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't that quote from another TV series? the the one where it's just kind of like um, what do you call a a parent who loses a child
1: probably I feel like it's been said before uh, I just thought for our first day I was like damn we're going to deep conversation on the first date
2: mm-hmm.
3: I think I think the original quote is what is grief if not love persevering okay there was that too
2: <laughs> I don't know just. Man, like, I did, I, I, as, as a small bright note, I did like the fact that they put in the fact that he has super soldier serum inside of him, because she's like, man, you're really put, pounding them down, and he's like, yeah, and because he can, because he can't get drunk off of the beers, but, um, other than that, like, the the storyline behind the behind yuri and like the 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 scene with with the old man i'm just kind of like ah oh. i i figured it out when he talked about the red bean paste buns i i was just kind of like oh my god he's the dad i know and it's because normally like i'd be like I'd be like, maybe, maybe Nitzie is not the dad, but Bucky looked so guilty at that scene. Like he just I looked kind of like, oh, like, like he was hot. He like, like it was a personal note to him. That 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 he was sad about his son. And I was like, oh, he's one of your victims. He's the victim. He's the he's the Asian man that that, that you saw in your dream. It was a real dream, and that's that's what. Um, Got me going to that point, but um, yeah. I was just, God, I feel so bad for him. And do you do you think throughout throughout this the series he's gonna he's gonna be able to man up and tell him that uh, killed his son?
1: I don't because know. The first
2: on the list,
1: I know. I see. I don't know how he does that because at the end of the day. Uh, I feel... I don't know. I I feel like maybe he feels like he has to do it, so he probably will have to do it. And visually, storyline-wise, it will give us an emotional moment uh, in the series. But there's a part of me that wonders if he will at all all have a conversation with maybe even Sam or somebody that's like, will the consequence of this um, be worth telling the truth? Because... You know, at the end of it, I feel like Yori's going to feel betrayed because his son's killer befriended me. You know what I'm saying? And it depends on if we get any more intel as to how long they've had this friendship and that kind of thing. But I, I think the consequence of that could be more painful than the revelation. Um, he is on his list. He's got him circled. He hasn't crossed him out, so he i think he feels like he's gonna have to make amends but i I don't know how you make amends to that
2: i- I believe like you make him like he's been making amends by just being his friend by hanging out with him by being like a positive role in his life, but I feel like you make amends completely by saying you're sorry and by giving him closure cuz he says that that's what's been the biggest like yeah, hole in his life that he not doesn't knowing. know why why his son died that it just seems like a senseless massacre to him so if he had a reason as to why he died maybe that would heal him a a a bit of his soul
0: yeah
1: maybe maybe We'll have to wait and see. A couple little things uh, before we wrap things up, and I don't know if either of you also have a couple little things, little tiny moments that you all want to reference, but something that I noticed... uh, Well, one thing that I didn't reference was the fact that the therapist, um, Bucky's therapist, says that uh, he has been ignoring Sam's texts. So I feel like that's important, because clearly we're going to have to get these characters together. So that's one thing. Uh, But the other thing that I noticed was um, on his list... Zemo is on his list. We know Zemo's going to be involved with the series, so I wonder what that means uh, because as we've seen some of his amends isn't necessarily that he has to make up with people. Some of his amends is taking them down for taking advantage of his winter soldieriness. So there's that. The other thing that I was wondering about was the fact that nobody recognized him as the winter soldier. And I do remember that there was, like, a whole manhunt for him, worldwide manhunt for him, at a certain point in the MCU. So I think it's interesting that nobody, you know, is like, you look familiar to him. Um, He does have his hair cut, so I don't know, maybe it's that. Um, uh, So I thought that was interesting. And another little moment that um, was a callback to Captain America Civil War was there's a moment where Iron Man is fighting the Winter Soldier, and he's like, Do you remember them? Do you remember them? Talking about his parents. And Bucky's like, I remember all of them. So the fact that he has this little book, which, if we're going to talk about mirroring, mirrors kind of um, Cap's book in uh, Winter Soldier, where he's writing down pop culture stuff that he should uh, get to know and that sort of thing. Uh, Bucky's got his own little book. It's like his little black book of um, men's and that kind of thing. But the fact that he has everybody listed and he remembers them, that's a continuity thing from uh, what he said
3: to um, to Iron Man. He remembers every kill, every mission. Uh, just one little thing also in the, uh, the Smithsonian scene with, uh, with Rhodey and Sam. Uh, when they were walking around, there was the picture of Bucky. And again, if you you know, zoom and enhance, zoom and enhance. Uh, it does mention the fact that Bucky was kidnapped by Hydra and became, you know, the Winter Soldier. So you know, it is publicly, you know, known, at least to the extent of a Smithsonian exhibit, uh, you know, what happened to him. But I would guess that, you know, he, he wouldn't be a recognizable figure. It's not like he was ever an Avenger or anything like that. I don't think the average person in the street would recognize him necessarily. All right. True. I can I can forgive that then.
1: Priscilla, what about you? Do you have anything to reference before we head into the MVP?
2: Um, nope. Like, see, I I got everything that I needed to reference, but I just want to say to add to that, it's hard to re- to 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 remember those wanted posters as much as you want to, to find like those kids that 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 are missing or something like that or stuff like eventually they all just kind of fade into the ether because there's just so many of them to remember. So I feel like the same thing might've happened to the winter soldier where there's just so many people to remember that are wanted or that are missing that he just went with the program. Like, and people don't remember that he was ever a bad guy.
3: Okay. We'll go with that. I'd also point out to uh, you know at the end of uh, oh Endgame, there were people who said, "Well, Bucky should have had the shield rather than Sam." And I would point out, I at the time I point out that you know, you know, Bucky is you know a monstrous killer. You know, he you know so there's obviously you know it would be problematic. Also, we found out in this episode apparently he watches soccer, and you know, well, clearly you can't be you know a symbol of America if you watch soccer. So that's funny. He was
1: also, like, he was brainwashed by Hydra. Like, you know, I mean, Hydra was. In oh, shield. so you're saying that's why he likes soccer? Well, all no. soccer fans. <laughs> Not that, but I mean, as far as him getting the shield, like, it's it's hella tricky with Bucky's past, and uh, we if we're at all in the future, because I feel like in the comics, doesn't Bucky get the shield? Am I at some point, or am I mistaken?
3: Uh, boy, um, I don't know. Uh, I know. Well, Sam obviously had it for a period of time. Then, uh, then Steve came back. Uh, one other little thing, the, um, oh, uh, when Torres was talking about that, you know, the idea that he took uh, cap up to the moon and, and everything like that, actually in the comics, Bucky spent a period of time on the moon as sort of, you know, a, uh, a a figure who was, you know, manning this, you know, rampart of defense. So, you know, that was a little, you know, comic book uh, tweak there. Well, there you go. But I think if we
1: ever see it, uh, I mean, I really want Sam to have the shield. But if the idea, if we're at all going to get comfortable with the idea of Bucky having the shield, if he ever gets it in, you know, the MCU future or that sort of thing, he needs to make amends and he needs to really um, come to sort of like a reckoning with his past first. Like, we have to deal with that. For, I think, anybody that has any qualms about him holding the shield, like, we need to get through that first. Like, I don't, I don't, I didn't really understand the people at the end of Endgame thinking that he should have the shield as well, just because I'm like, the character, I mean, do you all see the same character? I know he's pretty, but I mean, the pretty people don't have to hold the shield. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, alright, so now it's time for the MVP. The most valuable player. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again, so choose wisely. Priscilla, who is your MVP?
2: I'm going to choose Falcon because I loved him this this episode. I loved how he fought for his family. I loved how he fought at the very beginning against those I'm assuming they're Hydra because of the uniform at the very end, like when they were in their squirrel suits. like that's that it just it looked so cool. but like, he just makes everything seem, look effortless and just, he just glides around with ease like in th- throughout the, the throughout the, the, series. Like he just, he looks, he makes acting look like a breeze to him. Like everything comes naturally. And I really like that in this character. So yeah, Poggin for sure.
3: Professor, what about you? Uh, I'm going to give it to Torres. Um, you know, I like his introduction. I think it's it's always important when you're dealing with these uh, these larger than life characters to have that sort of more ground eye view. The person who can react with the astonishment when they do the amazing thing, and Torres managed to do that. He managed to to play off the idea that he's fanboying a little bit. He's obviously, you know, uh, a, a fan of Sam and, and everything he's done, you know, but also, you know, that he's, he's good at his job and, you know, was, you know, there on the ground tracking things down and, and, you know, willing to step up, you know, even in a situation where, as he said, you know, he didn't know what, you know, his, you know, the legal rights were or the jurisdiction, but, you know, Uh, He saw something going wrong and tried to step up and correct it. So I think he was great, and and I'm looking forward to seeing more of him uh, in the series. Whether he becomes the next Falcon uh, or not, uh, I don't know. I don't think it matters. I think he's just a really good, interesting character to have right now.
1: Very good choices. I, I thought either of you would have also would have picked the Winter Soldiers. I'm surprised that we got a side character so, um, so quickly. Um, I know that I said that I don't want the Winter Soldier to have the shield, but I will give him the MVP. I thought Sebastian Stan was fantastic in this episode. Uh, this episode was. Uh, Sam heavy, so we got a lot of Sam in the episode, and a lot of it was the world building and the setting up for the big bad and that kind of stuff, so Sam was heavily involved in that, so um, the Winter Soldier didn't get much to do, but what he got to do was really interesting, I love the character work that Sebastian Stan did, um, all of you know the emoting that he did, really conveying to us where... Uh, Bucky is at this point in time was brilliant some of the comedy stuff which we didn't really see as much before uh, outside of that scene that the professor referenced in Civil War where it was Bucky and Sam together Uh, we haven't really seen the Winter Soldier be funny and um, he was charming and funny in this episode and I like that and clearly we're being set up with a torturous story Um, to come. It's going to be emotional. Uh, WandaVision was emotional with Wanda. We're going to get some of that emotional stuff with Bucky, especially him confronting his past. And um, based off of what we got with the Winter Soldier in this episode, I can't wait. So uh, yeah, props to him. Now it's time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 Captain America shields? Because, you know, you're just giving them away. The point system is loud, and if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted golden cap shield. Alright, Professor, let's start off with you.
3: I'll give it nine shields. Uh, You know, a great start. Uh, You know, it, it got a lot of the pieces in play. There are still other pieces that we know are coming. Uh, I think they've hinted, you know, at, at race being an element going forward, which, you know, I applaud them for. Um, yeah the problem is it just feels like so much like just you know one episode that you know until we see how it all plays out uh you know uh, i i don't know how it will play out but i you know i found it very enjoyable Uh, part of it though is you know i was so blown away by some of the episodes of wandavision and i just wasn't blown away in the same sense here this this felt like a very good mcu movie Uh, i just wasn't blown away all right so we've got a nine from the professor
1: priscilla what about you
2: Um, I'll give it a 9.5. Like, I really liked it. I felt it was good. Some of the CGI was a little bit clunky during the, the Red Wing scenes, I felt, especially at the beginning when it was kind of like hugging the plane, which is why, like, I dinged like .5 off. But really, other than that, like, the family scenes with, um, Sam and the scenes with, the winter soldier and his therapist were really strong scenes and I felt that like Becky with Yuri was like also like a really strong scenes too and I felt that you got a lot of emotional highs and emotional lows too. So you 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 got you run the gamut of 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 range of feeling this episode so i i felt it was good 9.5 for sure
1: all right we got a 9 and 9.5 i will agree with priscilla I'm going to give it a a 9.5 as well. Uh, I thought it was back to MCU basics, but in a good way. Uh, The action was great. The small moments with the characters were really good as well. I didn't mention Red Wing. Uh, I know that we talked about it a little bit, but just the fact that he has these gadgets, Falcon's gadgets, he gives them names and that sort of thing. Uh, I liked Red Wing. Uh, I don't know if we're going to see that gadget again. What was the one that he had in the other one? It was like the dwarves. Um, I think that was in civil war i think at the opening scene and like black widow was like i'm not thanking the dwarf or whatever I, I just the fact that that he gives life to his gadgets is brilliant that was that was red wing that was red
3: wing yeah was it was uh, was it actually called red wing i thought he called yes. him like well the i don't think he actually i don't i he called yeah he said yeah i think he gave it the name red wing because that's a comics callback in the comics sam had a pet falcon Uh, that he had a near-telepathic level of control over. So naming the drone Red Wing uh, was a callback to that. I'm pretty sure he was named that in uh, in the movie. Okay, because I thought he named them the dwarves
1: or something. Um, It could be mistaken, yeah. But anyway, um, for me also, one of the reasons why I'm giving it a a 9.5 is because we had two standout characters that I think – will become fan favorites uh, by the end of the series or as we progress through the series. And I think it's Sarah and Torres. Uh, Both were just brilliant in this episode. I I love them. They're great additions to the MCU family. Um, And overall, just, I I thought it was a really solid hour of television, or it wasn't full hour, but, you know, hour almost of television. Um, It's more like half an hour. No, it was like forty minutes. It was more than we'll Wandavision. division take it out the credits, though. Yeah, I think it was still forty minutes with the credits. I think it's it. I think they say it's forty-nine minutes, but the credits are like seven minutes. So it was like about forty minutes. So it's about standard what you would get on TV. Um, we'll see if if they fluctuate like uh, Wandavision's did at a certain point. But um, a solid solid hour of TV, um, very rewatchable. Um, yeah. So, on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of the Avengers Initiative, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us.
0: Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for The Avengers Initiative, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and subscribe.
1: Thanks, announcer. My co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night, starting off with Priscilla.
0: Good night,
2: everybody.
1: And the professor. Good night, everyone. Good night, Mephisto, wherever you are. Yes, and Dr. Strange. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of the Avengers Initiative Falcon and Winter Soldier every Tuesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Papi Radio Archives. Good night.